Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, your host of the Axis Effect all things leadership, but I'm excited to be here with Jordan Scott, the CEO and founder of Cobble. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I always stumble through my intros with the brand change, but I'm end of the day, I'm so excited you're here because we're all about talking leadership, but I love that Cobble is a startup. I love your female-owned company right now, and I absolutely love the story about how you met your husband, even though it's not a dating show, but like your uh-huh. personal life and experience is what inspired you to create the company. And I know it's kind of like a kind of like a Tinder for dating and for married couples to see what they want to do. But like, like, tell me how Cobble came about first. And because I really want to chat with you about what inspired your leadership to create this company. And I know there's a backstory a very romantic backstory to this. So I want to like talk about how you got to this point with Cobble and what inspired you. Yeah, for sure. You're right in that, you know, I went on a pretty epic first date with my husband. That was sort of a a multi-stop kind of night where we were at dinner and then we went to a jazz club and then we walked around, you know, Washington Square Park and I was definitely partly just totally enamored with him, but also by uh, the effort and and sort of the whole beautiful role that New York played in our first date as well. And so fast forward, I'm at my first job at CBS working at the morning show, always what I thought was my dream job and pretty quickly realized that it wasn't my dream job. And I had an idea for a company. I really felt like there wasn't a lot of companies out there that were really geared toward couples that wasn't, you know, a dating app. And so I thought it would be cool if, you know, you combine sort of the fun of swiping with only matching with your partner on experiences, on restaurants, on events, on whatever you do together. So that was actually the first iteration of Cobble, but the current version of Cobble has grown far, far beyond that. I really would consider us a decision-making app first and foremost. And now it's something that you can use with anyone, not just your significant other, but your best friend and your mom or whoever. If you are stuck in the group chat going back and forth on like where to go for the birthday dinner, Cobble was made for you. We are trying to help people make easier, faster, more fun decisions together, really. So we've moved sort of from this fun little product for couples to this really, really big, huge opportunity, creating a new category, which we call decision-making tech. That is so awesome. I love that you were on this epic first date with your now husband. And and so is that what it was? You guys were just, because I hate like, whether it's boyfriend, like friends, I hate what's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Where should we go? What do you want to do? And I hate that because I think I could spend an hour of my time and text messages all day. What do we want to do tonight? And yep. so that's kind of like you just go on and just gives you, is it a geo-targeted LBS location of where you're at, of what's going on and around you? Or is it really the full, let us make reservations for you and do everything for you? 
So yeah, you can think of us as part discovery, right? There's going to be great ideas on Cobble that our curators put into the app. But more importantly, it's really about, like you said, moving from the back and forth over text to actually agreeing on something and going and doing it. So that's the technology we're really proud of. So basically, you connect with someone in your life, whether it's close friend, partner, whoever... And you're able to make these polls out of content in Cobble and get everyone involved, get them to vote, and then make a final decision based on all of the information you receive. And then, yes, Cobble helps you make a reservation, buy tickets, whatever it might be to get you out the door and keeps everybody in close communication around what the plan is. Yeah. So so I could go on here. And I can look at something to do, where to go. I could say, you know, whether it's dinner, movies, whatever, friends. And I could just kind of sit there and I could just share on your social or share with your emails that you, and everybody could just decide this looks good. Let's do it. Then you just click and go and your reservations are made. It gets that easy. Yeah, it's I mean, it's less about sharing the way that you would normally share, right? Where you just send an idea or send a bunch of ideas over text and everyone's like, wait, what's this? What's this? Things are getting lost. We really like the idea of organizing a couple of ideas, sending them off into your friend group. And everybody actually votes with emojis on each idea. So like all the way from hard eyes to like throw up mouth. (laughs) And at the end, the person who sent out the poll gets the number one choice based on everybody's feedback and then book it. Like it's that intuitive and easy to use. Yes. Are you guys available on Apple? Is it an app or is it just go online and do it? Yes, it's an app on the App Store. We are not yet on Android. Sorry, everyone. Uh And uh, we are launched in New York City, Atlanta, LA and Miami. I think that's absolutely amazing. I love that you did that. How old is the company? We launched in June of 2020. So this summer, we will be three. How many users do we have on board? We have over 40,000 users. That's pretty good, Jordan. I mean, like, you know, for a startup. And yeah, it- no, we, we really have been um, more focused on product than growth. So all of our growth has been relatively organic. You know, ultimately, yeah. we hope to grow through people saying, if you want to go out with me, if you want to make plans with me, you have to have this app. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it's time for time saving too. So you're not spending everybody so busy, but you have a big staff. You guys kind of scattered um, remotely, Uh, everybody else. We're all remote. There's seven full-time folks and the rest of the team are part-time city content producers is what we call them. And we have everyone that, you know, in all of our launch cities, we have people with boots on the ground there. We're in the process of hiring for our next four cities that we're launching in, which is San Francisco, Austin, Dallas, and Chicago. Wow. I think it's amazing. I love that you did this one during COVID and your husband really is the one that inspired you to create something for you guys to have something to do in the evenings or weekends. Yeah. I mean, we we definitely love to try new things together. We like to mix it up. We actually do this thing called Wednesday Surprise, where every other Wednesday we switch on and off. But you have to just like pick a place to go or, you know, an event to go to. And the other person just has to like get on the subway or get in the car and just go. They have no idea where they're going. And it's it's really amazing because it just keeps things exciting and fresh. And, you know, we've done everything from like a surprise Broadway show where I made my husband like stare at the sidewalk until we were literally right in front of the, the poster to just like, you know, a cute bakery. It's, it's just nice. I absolutely love it. I love that you're doing this. Let me ask you a question because I know being startups are really hard. 
I mean, in general, and I, you know, we have a lot of people on our show talking about, you know, their failures, their successes, and you know, leadership, and in general. And I know we had a really good podcast because on the show, um, Alejandra Santos, who deals mainly with startups, startups mm-hmm. who need to know how to be a startup, how to lead from legal to paperwork and stuff. And like we do this as a PR firm. I mean, we have a. I mean, we're known in the startup space, and it's for us. It's hard because. We see such great products, such great business plans, but it's hard to find good leadership anymore. And you can know it's like the whole big thing with the aqua funding. You know, it was a big deal, you know, back in the days, just 20, 30 million dollars, the big parties and everything, the companies were gone, that big bubble crashed because they just couldn't be sustainable. And I feel like VC money is not as difficult because they build they have a really good business model, great product. They could buy you better R&D. They could improve anything with money. But if you're not a really, really good CEO or leader, you can't change that, which means I'm giving you 10, 15 million, your A round, Angel, and you could be gone tomorrow because you just squandered it away. So you don't know how to lead. And I just feel like that's such a big topic we've been talking about on how to lead, how to be a better leader for your team, because we are remote. You're not there in the office every day. And what really, really, truly makes a good leader because it's all about being sustainable and knowing how to own your own leadership. Like I know you were at Good Morning America prior to this. CBS. 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 Did the shift over because you wanted to be your own CEO or was it just because the opportunity arose when you had your first date with your husband that you thought, aha, I could do this better? Because the reason why I'm asking, because I get a lot of people all over like, oh, that's amazing. You run a huge agency. You have your own firm, your CEO, you have all this stuff going on. But the grass isn't greener. It's a different shade of green. It's just a matter of which layers you could handle better to effectively lead better. I mean, what made you decide to go from working big company to be a startup? Yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely a strange decision. I was really young. And I think I sort of just was thinking, let me try something. The worst case scenario is you fail and you're, you know, still in your twenties. And then maybe you have some cool experience under your belt and you can go get another job. I really just didn't see any downside to trying. Of course, now I'm approaching my, at the end of my twenties and (laughs) I'm still working on this company and we are making incredible progress, but it seems, you know, the farther you get, the farther you fall or, you know, whatever it is, but I'm, I'm holding on. And, um, yeah, I know I think that's important though, because like I was working with a big agent, like huge global agency in San Francisco in my 20s. And I'm thinking, God, I, you know, I'm gonna get out. This is the politics of bullshit. And it was scary being in my 20s, late 20s, when I'm like, holy shit, do I really want to have like no security? You know, you're not, you know, you have if anything goes wrong, it's not your fault. And then I got I mean, lucky because I was we had, I had one particular client in the digital space. And we went from like seven to 39 million in like three years, did a huge, and they were like, I'm like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I don't know if I'm going to go back to an agency client side. It was a scary decision. And like these two people took a leap of faith in me like, no, no, you're the, it's not your agency. It's you. You're the reason the strategy behind our $198 million M&A. We need you. So we're going to pay you until you figure out where you're going to go in this interim. And then then I never looked back. Because then others said, hey, my God, we've been, you're so good, but we just don't like people you worked for. We don't like the agency. They're assholes. I'm like, it's a big agency. Go with where the support is. And I was terrified. And then one of my mentors told me, I keep that fear. I go, I'm so terrified. I'm going to let 
the CEO down who was a good friend and he took this leap of faith. If it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would have ended up. But like, she's like, you know, she's like, keep that fear. That fear is what's going to drive you to not let him down that fear of failure because you only have one client who believes in you, but that pressure, that falls. And like, I never looked back. I just kept going, kept expanding, got bigger and bigger over time. But I don't feel like it's easier today than it was in the 20s. It may be less stressful. I'm not taking a big leap, but being a CEO, you got payroll, you've got leadership. It all starts and stops with you. And I just, it's just when it comes to being a good leader, I mean, we all learn from our mistakes. That's why we're always about like failures. You have to fail in order to be good at what you do. And I, I'm not saying people shouldn't fail or shouldn't like, you know, work harder, but I feel like failures aren't failures, especially for somebody that can start a situation there to me. Failures are successes. You see so much in a failure to learn from it, to be better, to grow. And that just makes you better the next step you take because you don't have that thing that blew up on your failed hanging over you. You're going to take all the good from it and move forward to something better. Like, I think everybody's a different of opinion on leadership, but like, is that fear of, oh my God, I'm leaving a big company for a small one? Still, I mean, do you still have that fear in the pit of your stomach or are you actually embracing all of this to do what you want the way you know it needs to be done? I think there's always fear no matter where you are, whether you're at a big company and you're afraid you're never going to get the promotion or the raise or whatever, or you start your own company and you're afraid you're not going to get a client or users or whatever it might be. I think there's fear everywhere. And the best thing we can do is just feel like we're giving something our best shot and enjoying who we work with every day and, 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 and believing in what you're trying to get done. You know, I think you're right that a lot of folks think like, oh, you're the CEO, you make all the decisions, you don't have a boss. And the fact is like, we all have bosses in some form or another, whether it's our clients, it's our employees, it's our board, you know, our shareholders, we all have bosses. Nobody is boss free. Nobody's Uh, immune. No, 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 because a board can remove you. The bigger the kind, I I love that you said the higher you climb, the harder you fall. But I feel like you're taking over a CEO role of a monster global conglomerate. You got a billions of dollars of companies and assets. A lot of employees are going to be against you for you. It doesn't matter where you are. Experience, there's always somebody better than you. You can't, like I'm always, but you don't lead by your ego. You can never walk into a company, no matter how big or small, and think you got this. You don't have it because there's billions of people who probably should have gotten the job, who wanted it or better, who just timing whatever it was. And then you have boards. And then you have a lot more stuff. And I feel like a lot of people are writing on their leadership with false expectations because most things outside of the pandemic are automatically going to grow. Amusement parks are open, movie theaters are open, everything's open again. They're automatically going to have an uptick in revenues compared to the past three years because they're open to the public for the first time. So you're going to go from ground zero. There's nowhere to go but up at this point, which is a good thing to be, but you can't say because you're stepping as a CEO right now today, and yeah. that success in December is because you're a great CEO and you deserve that role. No, you're whether you did the very least and sat at your desk, went to lunches, did nothing. Your company's still going to show a revenue. Yeah. But I then, think it's yeah. supposed to show that there's just always extenuating circumstances, yeah. right? Like nothing is black and white. And, you know, I, I think you have to credit 
good opportunity with everything and not yourself and your ego. It's all about what just lands in your lap and how you sort of take it. But, you know, we really don't have control over much that I need to remind myself of more. Yeah, they always say 87% of what we stress over isn't really worth stressing over. It's the other like 13% that trips you up that's so easy to fail. And I just feel like just because you walk into a CEO role this past year, year and a half, doesn't mean you're a CEO. CEOs are earned. They're not a given or granted title. And I feel like people are walking into big roles now that they've been down after the pandemic. Well, I'm a CEO, I'm doing all this. And I feel like we're going to probably... I mean, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I kind of feel like we're going to see a big shift this time next year of a lot of people shifting out of their jobs, being fired, bored of them go, whatever reason you want to give somebody because they're moving out of dormant into a big role saying they're a CEO when revenues and all the good stuff is an automatic. I'm sure they're just as stressed as we are knowing that the other shoe is going to drop. Like they're not probably naive to that either. But I think, I don't know. I mean, how would you describe your leadership style? I think it's it's interesting. I'm a huge, huge believer. If you're going to fail, fail big, fail publicly, learn from your mistakes and own your leadership. I feel like we make easy decisions all day long. Anybody can make an easy decision, say they're a CEO. Making the hard decisions, the grace and class that goes into that and how you leave that. To me, I could fail publicly. We've all made mistakes. But how I pick myself back up, how I handle it, and how that shows across the board is a sign of a true leader. I also don't feel like, you know, and it's it's sucky to say because there's so many, there's a few really good people I know who love big companies to do their own startups. And I just hope, hope that they succeed because they're so amazing. But then there's people I know who left companies to go to big ones. And I know they're struggling. And I feel like you need to make decisions as a CEO. And nine out of 10 times, the bad decisions is going to affect somebody, you know, whether somebody gets fired, somebody's, you know, loses an account, regardless of it is. And I feel like when it comes to having staff, you need to make up your bad decisions, sit down with that person and explain to them they are a value. They're a value to you. They're appreciated. I don't believe in making a bad decision, walking away and letting somebody feel like, casualties of war because they were fired or they this because I made an asshole decision. No, I knew my decision was hard, but I don't want it to affect people. And let even if they have to lay you off, you need to understand you are valuable. You're all these great things that will help you. But I don't want you to ever walk away feeling like a casualty of war because I made a bad decision and just turned my back on you. I just don't like that when it comes to, and I know there's so many variables big and small. But I think as a leader, like I have a few employees in the past, they weren't working out or, you know, they they better job, whatever, or the commute before um, the pandemic shut us down. And I literally, I'll give you a reference. If you need to be happy and this is your skill set, what you're doing is great, but I know you need to move on. I will give you a reference because you're doing a respectful thing by respecting my time. If I'm valuable to you, but you're not a value to me, there's a problem. So I feel like leadership goes both ways. And if I can't make a bad decision and not let you feel like the person who just kind of took the shirt on the stick with no explanation and feeling like crap, that, that doesn't make, that just makes me an asshole. That doesn't make me a good leader. I, if I fail, I own my leadership. I understand why I failed. I apologize. I don't kick him out. If I'm not, I, we screwed up. We're human. Like I've called clients 
I made a mistake like, oh God, what happened? I go, well, just, I don't know what's going on. I go, well, I'm telling you, here's what happened, but we fixed it before you even knew about it, but you need to know we fixed it because we made that mistake. And I feel like, I, to me, that seems like the best form of leadership as best as you could get. I mean, yeah. it, it's me though, but it's not everybody else. So if I find somebody like, oh God, you know, Jordan, that was a brilliant thing you just said or did. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that. We're always going to better ourselves. One of our values as a company, which is it's only a mistake if only you know it's a mistake. So very much focusing on like, don't bury mistakes, right? Like, yeah. We all need to know about it. We all need to learn from it. We all need to, you know, you're not going to get in trouble. Like you really need to make a culture that has people understanding that, you know, we all have to speak up when we have wins and and failures, yeah. right? Like or else you don't get better and we don't all get better as a company. Cause just imagine like, you know, something gets buried and then it just keeps festering and it ultimately, you know, has a really, really bad impact. Whereas if you had just mentioned it earlier, it would be. A smaller impact. I saw this thing. It was on Instagram. It was like one of those little memes. And it was some like, you know, the root of all problems, healthy communications, healthy relationships. It's amazing what really effective the power of communicating and the outcome. People underestimate that. And that's my whole thing with text messages. And I love, love our clients because I probably call my clients and physically talk to them, whether it's two minutes, five minutes. I don't rely on text as communication. I don't rely on that, honestly personally either. I mean, we all text our friends or, you know, boyfriends, the spouses, Hey, I'm running late. Do this, do this throughout the day because it's easier. But the really hard decisions are healthy and you have to communicate and you have to have them by picking up the phone and talking. I mean, I talk to my clients all the time. It's funny how much I talk to my clients every day. I mean, we all do. We just, we're just, there's so much going on and it's just, you need to hear that voice. You need to have that relationship. And I think that also especially for startups. It's so successful for startups than just shooting a text out to a busy CEO. You know, if it's important, pick up the phone and call them. It's amazing what three-minute phone call will do. What is your leadership style? And like, has it changed now at Kabul than your last job? Well, I wasn't really a leader at my last company. <laughs> I was, you know, the lowly news associate. But I led, I led from below. But no, at, at Cobble now, I think that my leadership style is definitely more casual, very empathetic. I think that I really try to connect with the people that I work with before diving into whatever the work is that we're doing. I know that I feel better when, you know, my employees make an effort to, yeah. you know, care about me as a human being before we work. So I owe that to them as well. And if anything, I could probably do a better job having a little bit more structure in place as, as their leader than just one of their uh, colleagues. Yeah. I think it's hard. I think that's like a hard balance when it comes to, I am your employer. I am your leader, CEO, not your friend, but I like you. I want to be friends with you. Go grab drinks. And do so because I've, I've come very close to some, a lot of my team members just because we're together so much. But when we do events, we're launching companies, you're grinding, you're, you're a team effort. And you, you also have to put that balance where, hey, my personal life is personal. Yours is personal. I mean, obviously, if employee, employees have come in with problems, issues, you know, and obviously I'll talk with them and you'll give them, you know, take a mental day, totally get you for the leave early. But we do have a lot more pressure about how much we could share, should share, where I feel like 
when you're stressed or something's going on, you should always surround yourself with a really great advisory board that's not within your company because you can't go to your VP and your staff and bitch and vent. They come to you for leadership, for inspiration and, you know, knowledge. So you got to kind of figure out where is your sounding board outside of your company where you are safe and you do trust somebody that's not connected to you in some way on business because they get a better perspective to see through the fray when you can't. It's tough, especially to like my closest friends are not in tech. They're not in startups. You know, they, they run the gamut from lawyers to Broadway stars to everything in between. But, you know, when I come with a, an issue around fundraising or around, you know, whatever it is I'm working on, you know, there's not too much that they can do to, to help or to give advice. Right. Actually, I feel really lucky to have a couple of close founder friends specifically that that's sort of the role that we play in each other's lives. We have a a group text that's like, SOS, why are we doing this? This being these ridiculous companies that give us so much stress. And we just talk about, you know, the ups and downs and let the guard down there, you know, so that you don't, you don't have to do it with your friends or your or your colleagues, your employees. And I definitely recommend that any founders sort of find that, that strange in-between group of not exactly your your high school college friends, but not your employees. It's like this other group that is it's not like your circle. You need you like we all have different circles, the circle of life. We have our friends, we have our family, certain people you go to for certain things. But I feel like in business, we, we need to have a very distinct circle of individuals that are dealing with startups, dealing with tech, dealing with whatever it is, the boards, the VCs who have that experience who could give you sound like, you know, advice, sage knowledge about here's the best way to handle mm-hmm. this and that. And I do think that's important. I think that's how all of us get through. Yeah. On good and bad days and stuff. Is there anything you could tell anybody else? Because we know there's a lot of people who went from big companies, let's do a startup post pandemic and vice versa and in between. And like, what is your advice for, and regardless if it's somebody who wants to be a CEO or just go into a big global company, whatever, you know, from a small one, great opportunity, like CEO leadership advice. What is the best advice you could give somebody, anybody? Yeah, I would say a couple things. I think number one is try to be as true to your word as possible. And what I mean by that is if you tell someone on your team that you're going to get something done for them by a certain time, do that. What I also mean is being really, really careful with your word. So making sure that you're not gossiping about, you know, someone else on the team or what your investor said or what, you know, really just being basically the golden rule, right? Don't say to someone what you wouldn't want them hearing you say. Treat others how you would want to be treated. And staying really consistent for your team too, I think is crucial. But these are all leadership things. You know, I I would expect the same from my employees. I definitely think, you know, you can assume that however someone is speaking to you about others is probably how they're speaking to others about you. And so I think it's important to just know sort of like what you're putting out there and, and what that's saying about you. But yeah, I mean, gosh, I could go on all day. I feel like the advice that I need right now is really reminding myself to like not let the mountain of responsibility, you know, crash onto me. And we really, it's like so cliche, but we really can only do one thing at a time. 
And if we have any hope of success, it's about keeping a positive energy and a positive mindset and just slowly going down that list. So in the in the thick of the stress, like I'm a huge, huge believer in dumping all of it out of your head and onto some sort of list keeping system. We use Notion and just taking it one task at a time. And I don't know, I, don't, I definitely don't cut myself a ton of slack at the end of the day if I feel like I didn't get to everything, which you never get to any everything. So that's just a fact. But being grateful for what you did get through and then otherwise focusing on who's in front of you, which is normally my husband and my my daughter. <laughs> I think it's things true. I mean, I think it's all about staying present, staying grounded. Make sure you're present at all times, like one day at a time. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's any secret to being a good CEO. I don't think there's any secret to leadership. I think it's just a myriad of character, traits, actions, mindset that lead up to making you a really good CEO and yeah. leader. And yeah. I just startup space is stressful. Like honestly, I love that when I, especially when I see women just kind of step into that role more, it's hard. I mean, I, we know how hard it is. So there's no good answer for this is how much you could handle while still staying present, while still leading. And there is no secret sauce to that. No, no, there's definitely no secret sauce. And, it, and to me, like it really feels hour to hour sometimes. It's like one hour, I'll be like, I fully have this. Like I got this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring this to where I see it going. And the next hour, I'm like, what was I thinking? How did I, you know, and the hard, hard thing is in the death hour, in the hour where you're like, I can't do this. You just have to remind yourself that in another hour, it could definitely feel different and you could feel back on top. And that's the hardest thing to, to figure out how to do. But, you know, there's a couple things like coffee. Coffee makes a big difference <laughs> to me. Playing with my daughter definitely puts things in perspective. It's like, she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't have to, you know, finish something and look how happy she is. She's just hanging out, you know? So there's there's a few I think I love that you have a bullet point under your under your name there that says perception shifter. It's like, yeah, how do you shift? How do you shift your perception in the moments where things just feel really dire? And sometimes there's not a good a good answer, but it's other than just like time, other than just waiting, waiting it out, let it pass. It's going to pass. Yeah, I'm all about like I'm all about making the list. I'm all about like I always say to my friends, bad days, just put your head down, make a list, follow the sunshine. The rest will work itself out. You know, what this is my big things on my friends. I laugh. What's next? I mean, I love it. I mean, I love that you have such a grasp on being a CEO of a startup. Where is Cobble going from here? Yeah. I mean, you know, not only do we want to be everywhere, we want to launch in all of the major cities. We want to really be seen as a decision-making engine for people to use, whether they're figuring out where to go for dinner or what to watch on Netflix, or what rug to buy for your apartment, or what flight to book. We want people socially making decisions in Kabul. And we really think that there's sort of this empty space right now where you know there's all of these content resources everywhere, whether you love a blog, or you love an Instagram, or a TikTok, or a you know website, whatever. But there's nothing that actually helps you 
figure out what the real choice is. And we don't make decisions completely by ourselves. We make decisions socially, whether it's figuring out my husband where we're going to get dinner or it's, you know, picking, you know, a dress for a w- upcoming wedding with my girlfriends or whatever it is. And so we really think there's an opportunity in tech to help with that problem and we want to be the ones that do it. Now, you guys, you guys are an Apple. Yes. I'm assuming Android takes longer with Android. So I'm assuming you guys are queuing up in the dev on Android. Are you guys indexing? Like you said, you're in New York. I know you're in LA. It's one of the bigger cities. Are you, is it just, you're taking it city to city? Because you have to index what's around those cities, locations, geomapping. Is that what's taking so long to really filtrate the entire United States? Or is it just by design? Well, we started with New York City to really understand what we wanted the product to be and look like and work. And only once New York felt like it was in a good place, did we want to you know, expand to, to new cities. We only just launched LA, Atlanta, and Miami in December. And so we're, we're seeing what it looks like to launch in a new city. Yes, we have plans to launch 16 new cities in the first half of this year. But ultimately, we want people to be able to use it everywhere. We don't want to completely control the curation of the content. We think users have their favorite resources for content and they just want to use Cobble as, again, decisioning engine portion of that. So we have a lot of plans in terms of development to help users add their own content, to make partnerships with other content influencers and and platforms. And uh, that's sort of how we we go from scaling city by city to being everywhere pretty quickly. Yeah, because if you look at some of these apps, they are location-based. So it doesn't matter where you are, it automatically flips over to that location. Mm-hmm. So so if you love an app, you're in LA or New York, and you love Cobble, but then you go back home where Cobble is not, then it's like, well, wait a second. You know, it's location-based. So do you think by the end of 2023, you guys will be scalable, so you will be everywhere? I'd love for us to be in a place at the end of 2023 where user-generated content is really big and partner content is flowing. And, you know, we have a we have a real presence in 30 plus cities with our own team there. But yeah, that's that's the goal. Amazing. I love this so far. When we are wrapping up, and I know you've got to go, I'm so glad we were able to get this rescheduled. I love everything you're doing. How can everybody find you? I mean, can they only get Cobble? They can go to Cobble.com, correct? Or what's the website? TryCobble.com. TryCobble.com. And if they go into the app, one of your cities, yep. try Cobble. We should just yeah, pop up. Google, Google Cobble. It'll pop up. And like I said, we're in New York, LA, Atlanta, and Miami. Awesome. And where can people reach you? if they have questions or content partnerships. Yeah, they can reach out over Instagram. You can either DM our brand at TriCobble or you can DM me at Miss Jordan Scott. M-S-J-O-R-D-A-N-S-C-O-T-T. Perfect. Oh my God, Jordan, it was so good having you on today. Like I do wish you the best of luck with this. I love it. I love your leadership. I love how you like stepped into this, scary or not. And you're just owning it moving forward. It's going to be good to see you guys grow into other states as well. Thank you so much. I I really enjoyed our conversation and I think you're an excellent leader too. (laughs) Thank you. It's so good having you on. So for everybody who wants to reach out to Jordan, they could go to Trey Cobble, find her on LinkedIn. This is Sarah Miller with The Axis Effect and Jordan Scott at Cobble. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Axis Effect Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. 
To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaccesseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>